Space, 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 all right what's up everybody welcome back to stacked episode 71 uh space movies We're talking about space movies i i think uh this this works for two reasons well first of all this is recommended by caroline a good listener and girlfriend of mine um she recommended that we do this i think it was good and, but also moonfall is coming out in theaters i realize it kind of works out pretty well yeah, you guys, seeing ex- a pre- you guys excited for Moonfall? Where's I, I might I'm be not gonna it. lie, I I re- I really want to go see that. Yeah, we're Brandon and I might be. Oh, well, Brandon, see on Wednesday. I might be joining him depending on when I get out from set. But uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. I don't I'm know. Seeing like, an IMAX, a preview screening. It's just like why does it have to be like aliens that look like those tentacles from Man of Steel? Like it should have just been like literally just the moon is crashing into the earth, like. You should because have just rolled that, you know? You got, Roland Emmerich's always got to go bigger and better every time. <laughs> bigger, maybe, so. but better. Bigger for sure. Better, better. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he, his movies keep getting better and better. <laughs> I, bet the, I bet there is one guy that believes that. One guy. I bet somebody believes that Independence Day Resurgence is the best movie I've ever <laughs> made. <laughs> one guy. There's one They're guy out crazy. there. I didn't even see that. I was like, whatever. I stopped, I stopped caring about them after 2012. Um, yeah, so we're doing space movies. Uh, what is space movie? How do you get up? Get flying a little to, you, you climb a little tuna can, shoot out a parachute, go on a rocket ship into the moon. Space chimps. space Space <laughs> chimps. Space chimps may be on this list. Who knows? Maybe a <laughs> We may have a two-hour-long discussion about space chimps. We'll see. Fly me to the moon. Remember that movie? It's about flies who go to the moon. There's space. It came out like in the same time period. There's like flies that went to space. And there's chimps that went to space. I don't know. It was kind of. Cool. I, I thought they were the same movie. Uh, sp- wasn't there? Wasn't there Space Buddies? There's yes, there a, was. There was Space Buddies. There um, certainly was a Space Buddies. But this is an episode about just animals going to space. It can be dang people too, and it can be. It doesn't have to be going about going to space. It just has to be about space. Just. Something that's not Earth, I guess. What? How did you guys like define what a space movie is, Brandon? What was your What was your ideology of a space I, movie? I mean, there has to be a certain degree of exploration. I feel like when it comes to space movies, I mean, you don't have to necessarily set the movie all on its head in space. I don't think this movie's been is going to be chosen, so I'm going to say it because I one, I don't know if Chris has actually seen it, and I know Ethan, if you've seen it, you don't like it. Uh, it's Contact. Have you heard of that movie? Okay, I have seen it. Um, I actually talked about this. Caroline loves that movie. She she said she would have picked that movie if it was, if she was on this episode. I yeah. I think the movie's okay. Hate the ending. Yeah, yeah. I Controversial know. Pit take. Hate the ending. She but, loves the ending, but I hate but it. That, but but that's a movie that like really doesn't have to do with like exploration necessarily. It doesn't have to do with exploration, but it's about space. Yeah. So like you can look at a movie like that, which is like a perfect example of, I think a movie that isn't about exploration that is about space. But for the most part, I'm talking about like, you know, brave new worlds, discovering new planets and species or like kind of encapsulating what it means to be like a part of a universe. Yeah. 
because it's like it's not just an earthly film where it's like dealing with personal issues necessarily right so, yeah that's good what about you chris what would you classify as a space movie well when i set out to make my stack i wanted to kind of split it up and give a little bit of flavor to each of the picks so i chose the first one is about like the idea of like space coming to earth the second oh. one's about earth going to space and the last one i want to do like a fantasy space kind of thing so that's i want to get a little variety going in with mine um one thing i did immediately notice pretty quickly and i'm I wonder if you guys experienced this as well, is we picked a lot of great space movies already for Final Stacks. Yeah, this like, is hard. I, I have a lot of honorable mentions because of that. Like, I'll just throw them right now just because we have, because we've already Because they've already been them. picked. Yeah. Like, we have, like, Interstellar, 2001 A Space Odyssey, mm-hmm. Avatar, Star Wars, Under <laughs> the Skin, um, Dune. And there's a couple more, but I don't want to shout them out now in case someone picks them, but... Yeah, there was a lot. We we picked out a lot of great space movies, so um, I'm excited to see what you guys have chosen for for this one. I'll shout out one that we've picked for Final Stack: Alien. That's oh yes, a Alien space movie. Uh, great, great space movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Good. Yeah, I I sort of I sort of centered this stack as like I feel like I've I got more fantastical as I go as I went on. So I did a pretty grounded space movie about you know just like humans going out into space and then another one which is like still humans going out into space but it's more science fictiony you know and then my next one is just like pretty science fiction uh you know space coming to us stuff around that i'll get more into it later but um yeah that's that's how we broke down these space movies but let's get into the actual picks this time but first of course let's go over the rules of the show once a week, we set a topic or theme, go our separate ways, construct our own three film stack. Then after a week, we come back here on the podcast and share our own stacks one film at a time. Then at the end of the show, we'll mix and match our nine films, make the ultimate decision what quintessential three film stack we are checking out of this hypothetical video store. First up, it's Chris. What's your first space <gasps> movie, bud? Okay. I've, you know, uh, for everyone listening, before we started recording, um, we asked, like, would it, are double stacks likely for this one? I think uh-huh. yes, but I think that's also just because I'm looking at my picks, and I think my picks are pretty popular among the three of us. Yeah. So all of them, I feel like, are possible double stacks. Um, my first one is a movie that I really love. You guys actually both, I think, love this movie more than I do, especially yeah. you, Brandon. Uh, my first movie is Arrival by Denis Villeneuve. Ooh, I didn't choose well, this one. No, no double stack. I didn't choose it. I had a feeling no Brandon might pick this one, but no. I no. didn't. I did not. Um, okay, well, Arrival. Um, we rave about Denis Villeneuve a lot on this show. I mean, for good reason, in my opinion, because that guy's, guy's a genius, in my opinion. Um, and, yeah, and here with Arrival, we have one of the most delicate sci-fi films I've ever seen. Uh, I'm honestly teetering on promoting promoting this movie to a five <laughs> stars um it's a four and a half right now but like as the years have gone on like this movie has stuck with me so much and like i mean i haven't seen this movie pretty much since it first came out and the fact that like i still think about it almost eight years after only having seen it once it's that's pretty impressive um so arrival tells the story of this linguist played by amy adams who is recruited by the military to um, establish communication with this with the extraterrestrial beings that have landed on Earth and determine whether or not they are they come in peace or are a threat 
Uh, yeah, and I mean, it's no secret that Denis just gets sci-fi. Um, I feel like Denis' films, like, in on their concept, tend to sound pretty pretentious and droning. Just kind of like, oh, okay, all right, you, you fucking, like, you auteur, all right? But the approach he has to his films, especially with this one, is so ambient and gentle. Ethan, you and um, Milo uh, call this movie sublime. Yes. I agree. This movie is very sublime. Um, visually, orally, narratively, thematically, <laughs> it's so delicate. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very powerful because of how it, it's, it's like stripped down sci-fi, but like in a really great way because it, it gives us access to... We don't, we're not overwhelmed by all the other facets that go into sci-fi. We're kind of grounded with what's going on in the story. Um, and with that said, I don't want to go too far into the plot of this film because there's a lot of incredible twists and turns. There's one really good twist in this movie um, that I, I don't even want to say a word about because I think if you're listening to this and you haven't seen Arrival, do yourself a favor and go watch this movie because that shit was amazing. Um, yeah, the film makes the audience kind of contemplate our place in the universe, consider the world that we have created, and connect in the relationships we have in our oh-so-small, minuscule lives. And yeah, I love a movie that can make us reflect on ourselves and the world around us, and I think sci-fi is a great way to do that. Um, and hence, space, space, space. Um, one thing I do want to mention about this movie, a, a little minus point, well, not really, it's not a big deal, really, um, in the movie, there's a scene where Amy Adams speaks Chinese. Um, she has to convince like a Chinese general to not attack one of the like one of the ships that arrives on Earth. Yeah. Um, and I, I just have to say it. Her pronunciation is is like I literally can't <laughs> understand what she's saying. Yeah. Um, like there's this great video on YouTube uh, by this guy. I I don't know his real name, but like the channel's name is Accented Cinema. And he break, he does a lot of like a- analysis of like films and just do, like makes great videos. Um, and just wanted to sh- yeah, just want to throw that out there. Um, I and also just really quickly, I want to shout out Don Cheadle in Rush Hour Two and Timothy Chalamet in Dune for doing the best Chinese spoken by a non-native speaker in all of American film, in my opinion. Wait, Timothy Chalamet speaks Chinese in Dune? Briefly, for he has one line when he's talking to the, to the doctor. While they're still on, um, on a oh Arrakis, yeah, on the home planet. Yeah, he says not a racket. He uses oh, yeah. They chose the right words. The pronunciation's perfect. The intonation's there. The emotion is behind the words. It's great. Anyway, the oh. arrival. Um, and Don Cheadle in Rush Hour too. Don Cheadle, perfect Chinese. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of insane. Um, okay, arrival. Yeah, what do you guys think? Well. Let me break down why I think this movie is sublime and why it's a perfect space movie. I was super close to picking this one, but it, I don't know. I feel like I didn't want too many double stack picks on this one, so I knew this mm. one was going to be included, so I avoided it. Um, first of all, uh, this movie makes you rethink um, your, like you said, Chris, your place in the universe as a whole. Um, it makes you feel incredibly small, which I think is what I believe is the sublime really is. You know, we talked about this in our film theory classes that the sublime is supposed to be this like undescribable emotion that you feel like the sense, you know, that's what the sublime is like this uncontrollable feeling that you can't really pinpoint. And I feel like 
that is something you get from uh, a concept or an object or a being that is beyond your comprehension. And um, that's space, you know? Space is beyond our comprehension. Like, we don't know how vast it is. It's I guess it's infinite, you know? So we don't know what... We don't know everything about it, and we never will, you know? So that's what makes it so sublime. And, like, how Denis Villeneuve plays with that in this film with these aliens and how these aliens sort of process time and space themselves and how how layered it is like how more layered it is than how we process time and space is so fucking cool and of course it has a great message about um communication and uh you know uh creating connections instead of drawing lines um you know this has a very good political narrative that sort of bounces off how uh these people are talking with aliens it's very um you know you can you can tell it's very earth uh, the day the earth stood still in that sort of sense you know uh took probably took some inspiration from that but i think the stone does it a lot better in its themes communications by using linguists and having them connect through the 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 concept of language you know um and yeah one of the best twists in like in all of cinema i think i think we use this in twist mo- did we use this in twist movies I don't, I don't think we did. Stack. No, I don't think we did. I don't think it came up. No, I don't I think, know if I we've mentioned we ha- the rifle. We don't. I don't. Have we never mentioned this movie? I don't think so. I don't think so. There Dude, were a few yeah. that I was surprised that we at least hadn't mentioned on stack before. Yeah, but, we've never talked about this movie. I'm looking yeah, at it right now. Yeah. Holy shit! Well, that's this is a perfect place to talk about it. So, uh, yeah, and it's sublime in its visuals, its imagery. Like I can't. The, the image of the spaceship, like, th- those just those big landscape shots of the spaceship and the clouds going against clouds the... Clouds rolling over the hills. Rolling over the hills and everything. Like, God We damn. have a poster in our living room, I think. That's the first thing you see when you walk in our house. That and Jar Jar and Parasite. <laughs> yeah. That kind of... Holy Trinity right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sci-fi. And sci-fi uh, flash drama. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> But yeah, fantastic pick, Chris. What do you think, Brandon? Uh, love this movie. Uh, I feel, first of all, kind of heavy. Very heavy. I can understand why nobody would really want to rewatch this movie. I, I mean, and that's not to say it's like bad or anything. There's nothing wrong with being a heavy movie. It just makes it hard to rewatch because it's so dense. But I feel like this is a movie that utilizes its de- denseness to its advantage with its characters because... They're talk. They're tackling such in, interesting concepts for like a sci-fi movie because it's not all about. I feel like often with sci-fi, it's corded off to like action blockbusters because when you think sci-fi, you think Star Wars, you think Star Trek, which are the most traditional and sometimes most popular uh, space films. And yeah. here you've got something a little more um, intellectual. I would say often you hear people say this is the next 2001 a space odyssey and they're like kind of like just saying that but i feel like with this this is like one of the only films that has really come close to being that way both intellectually and from a filmmaking level and i think we have had enough time since this film came out which i think was 2016 2017 yeah 
to say that it actually is, even if you haven't seen it as much. And like you said, the twist is great. I think utilizing language is such a fascinating thing. A lot of films uh, showcase this really well with making first contact, with whether that be with like something like Contact uh, or... Close Encounters. Uh, yeah, Close Encounters, yeah, I mean, which is through music. It's very Close Encounters. Yeah. But I feel like here it utilizes it to a more interesting degree, whereas like Close Encounters is playing with human perception and subverting their expectations based on what they think space and alien films are. So, yeah, very good choice. Uh, not a lot in space, but I don't think that matters because I think Chris frames his argument really well by calling it a movie about Earth or people coming to space or to Earth from space. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah. But yeah, that's my first pick. Hell yeah, bro. Okay, we're off to an amazing start. All right, I'm next with my first pick. So like I said, um, this is my most grounded space film, I would say. That is, of course, because it is a biopic. Um, uh, it is Damien Chazelle's First Man. Um, Good movie, but no. Don't you didn't... I thought I thought you were going to pick this one. You're nope. Okay, if you're not picking this one, I know you're picking the second one. I just know it. Uh, so we'll see. Um, he might be right. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. There are lots we'll of good see. space movies. Yeah, lots of good space sci-fi movies. is like my one of my of favorite good. genres. Yeah, I think I, that's the funny thing. I think all three of us love sci-fi a lot. Good sci-fi. Yeah. Good I, sci-fi I'm a big drama is, head, but like drama can be encompassed into sci-fi. So <laughs> yeah, um, I want to choose First Man because underrated. A, it's really underrated. It it's my favorite. No, it's not my favorite even Chazelle movie. One more time, it's actually my least favorite. <laughs> but, but that's but <laughs> it's my favorite. You know, it's what? literally my no, least no, no. favorite. But that doesn't mean anything because it's still really good, which is funny. You know, uh, well, I haven't seen his. I haven't seen the film he did before Whiplash. He did what? He did a film before Whiplash. Right? I'm, uh, it's Guy and Madeline on Park Bench. I haven't yeah, seen it. Either. I haven't. I haven't seen that one. So out of the three big ones that he's done, this is my least favorite. But. I, that's how interchangeable they all are to me because I thought it was my favorite, but then I had to think about it, and now I know it's my. They're all favorite. pretty great. I yeah, know, he's never great. made a bad movie, but um, he's only made three movies. So yeah, a lot of <laughs> four I, technically. You know, this movie gets a lot of undeserved unfair, cr- unfair criticism by mm-hmm. how people say they are so um, detached from Neil Armstrong. This movie and like that they don't care about his journey. But you're supposed to be unattached, bro. But, like, that's sort of the point of this film is how, like, fucking emotionless he is and how tragic that is, you know? Um, I love... I, I watched this right after I watched Apollo 11, which I was ba- I was going back and forth between Apollo 11 and First Man, which ones I wanted to... Not... not yeah, Apollo 11, the documentary. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, not Apollo 13. <laughs> I, I not the... It. Not the Ron Tom Hanks. Howard ever. Not yeah. Ron Howard. I'm talking about the do- the documentary that is like yeah, real time them going to the moon, which is an amazing. I think it's equally as good as First Man. Good so that's move. why I was going back and forth. But I wanted to do First Man because we've already talked about Apollo 11 on documentaries, and um, First Man is the other side of the same coin where um, Apollo 11 is completely observational and just telling you exactly how it is. Whereas in this one, it's a deeply personal journey to the moon, you know? That's something I thought I'd never really see with a, an event as, like, when we first went to the moon, where I feel like you're not really 
caring about whether, um, you know, uh, he can get to the moon or not, uh, but rather just like if he'll ever find closure because of what's happened in his life and the loss of his daughter, you know? Um, so seeing Neil Armstrong go through all this trauma of losing his daughter, his friends, and just like how fucking terrifying it is and how much of a risk it it was back then to get to space, you know? People really were literally risking their lives to do this stuff. And it's just... It's, it was just, it's so incredible to see that from a personal lens rather than a third party lens, you know? Um, and it leads for one emotional climax when he's actually on the moon and he's looking over and he has that bracelet from his daughter and he like, he leaves it there. I don't know. Oh. That pro I don't know if that really happened, but, but if it did, but if it did, damn, but it doesn't matter <laughs> because it, that's just good filmmaking, you know? It's thematically. I I, it's thematically good. Like I don't. I, at that point, I didn't really care if it didn't happen or if it happened or not. You know, it's just that just makes it a good movie. Um, and the the set the score to this movie is so fucking good. The way they they uh, Damien Chazelle sort of implements the instrumentals and the big band of sort of that he does in La La Land, along with like old of the time Damn. science fiction science fiction theremins that people associated with space and going to the moon, the way mm -hmm. he implement those two together makes for one hell of a soundtrack. And it just, it goes off when he's finally on the moon, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, great movie about the human experience and space. So that's why I chose first man. Brandon, I know you love this movie. What do you think? I just think a lot of people are unfair because they went in expecting another bold music not music movie but bold movie that capitalized on what made la la land and whiplash so good with whiplash it was the tension uh with la la land it was the the spectacle and i think this film delivers that but not in the way that chazelle did in his previous two musical films you know mm -hmm. and first man is a very personal story and the disengaged neil armstrong which is because of his personal life, like part of the reason the way he the way he is is great, and you get to see that because they're picking a guy who is willing to sacrifice it all to do this really really ambitious thing that humanity had never done before, and he was like basically willing to do this crazy thing, one because it's like. You know, maybe it's his passion to be involved in aerospace, but also because of, like, the situation he's in. And you feel that. You feel that recklessness uh, in the way that he pilots and the way that he is trying to go on these missions and the way that he trains for them. It's like he has nothing to lose. And I love that. Uh, yes, Ryan Gosling is a bit dry in the movie, but that is the point. And I think yeah. he captures that perfectly. And... It's very personal, very grounded. You do feel tension, but in a different way. It's not like you're fearing for the characters, but you are like with every moment breathing in the breath of the situation and the momentousness of it. I don't I think a lot of people went in thinking this is going to be like Apollo 13, very sentimental, very America heavy, you know. Yeah. 
and that's not what it is you know yeah. and the another thing the film wasn't even nominated for best visual effects that year and the visual effects and practicality of it is actually quite great in the way like they research the how to space like how space works like i love it when uh artists take the time to make things scientifically accurate in film yeah. whether that be like how things gravitate or in the terms of gravity work or how like real life events would transpire if we were in the moment like how would we know what the moon landing was really like unless like though be unless i mean it was recorded but like we don't have any idea what that's like unless we've been to space and the vast minority of people have not so yeah, yeah. <laughs> a terrific movie and like you said only a little bit of space but to be fair the movie is about space travel so i'll give it the the benefit of the doubt there hell yeah chris what do you think i haven't seen first man what oh! you haven't seen what the fuck why did what? you spoiled the movie bro i did i thought he saw it to be honest i thought so you I was saw like, this movie you should have told no. me gummo it's fucked okay. us what? over bro you oh, yeah. you haven't seen first man no i haven't seen first man <laughs> Well, I, I I don't know if I spoil. I mean, he he goes. I mean, I I, 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 I know history. I know this I know the story of Neil Armstrong. I don't I don't know the nuances of who Neil Armstrong was. Yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah. It's not like there are any twists in the movie, so that's. Yeah, there's no twists. It's just you know, it's his life. You know. Uh, yeah. But... Fuck, bro. Yeah, t- Chris, tell the story of why you haven't seen First Man, like. So. And what you saw instead. So. <laughs> So, um, we were sophomores at the time, um, this movie came out and we, um, one of our classes had a scheduling conflict with a pre-screening for first man that was going on at our school. Um, so we were like, all right, we're going to be good students. All right, we'll do it. So we went to the, we went to our screening for our class. Um, and instead of watching this really supposedly, like at least at the time, I thought it was a really fun and exciting space movie. I know that's not what it is, but I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. we, we, we watched uh, Harmony Corinne's Gummo instead, which I think especially everyone in that, in that room was really pissed off. Yeah. But we were kind of supposed to be because that's kind of like the idea of like of that movie. And also like as <laughs> sophomore film study students, it's kind of like it's a rite of passage to get mm-hmm. really mad at Harmony Corinne. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I just, I just, it just never, it just never happened after that. Well, yeah, you, you got, you got to check it out. I think, I think it's much, cause you, you like Damon Chazelle, don't you? Yeah. I've li- I, I mean, I, of, of the two of his two other movies I've seen, like I've really liked them. Yeah. Yeah. They've both gotten at least four and a half. Yeah. I think you'd love this one then super good all right brandon what's your first space movie uh i'm picking 2005's the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy oh okay nice yeah i grew up with this movie my dad loves british people (laughs) and their senses (laughs) of humor he loves like pirate radio and like bill nye and stuff so like this was like the perfect movie for him but i remember he was like i've I've always wanted to recheck this movie out but like it's nowhere and then once streaming was becoming more and more like i don't know active is is, is it the right word um 
we found it. And I remember we he popped it in and there's a musical number to start it, which is very satirical and it's very science fictiony and funny. And it like, it tells the untold history of like, of what, like what's going on and how earth is scheduled for destruction. And it's very macabre and dark, but it's juxtaposed against this very light and fluffy environment uh, uh, that is like in England. And it's very funny in that regard. And I feel like the script is so creative in telling how big the universe is, how like there are like a bunch of different like races and like planetary organizations that control like simple things like highways for space vehicles and stuff like that. And how that it seems we seem so insignificant to the universe in that regard and how this hitchhiker's guide, this book tells of like how humans and how any space creature can survive in a universe that is filled with so many different things that we, like you said, we'll never know everything, but all we have is this funny little guide that is like a, a guidebook, like a bathroom book, basically, to tell us what to do in these situations. Mm-hmm. And it is dry, and it's not for everyone, but it's extremely creative. And Douglas Adams' book, I feel like, does the same thing in that regard. His books, because it's a book series. Um, but yeah, I, I love the set design in this movie. I love the characters, and I just love the worlds that they're able to create. Yeah. Um this one's also another childhood favorite of mine. Uh, I know I know Brandon infamously teases me for not liking British people, but this one's a good British flick, I'd say. Um, a really good fucking cast of like of people who just you forgot are like in these movies. Like you forget, like John Malkovich is in this, like Helen Mirren, and like. <laughs> It's just, like, it has some really good... Alan Rickman, you know, of course, he voices the robot, you know? Yeah. Uh, he voices Marvel. Sam Rockwell's in this. Sam Rockwell, and he's fantastic in this. You know, Bill Nye, he's, like, the dude who creates all the planets. He created Earth yeah. and everything, you know? Um, and, you know, of course, you got Martin Freeman, who's, like, the good, just, like, uh, protagonist to take you through this world, you know? You you follow... You're opened up to this world through his eyes, you know? And, um, what I just, what I love is the practical effects in this movie. My Mm. God, there's so much great production design here, you know, Mm -hmm. so many, so many built sets that you don't really see too often anymore. Uh, Especially for sci-fi movies. And all the aliens are practical too. Like, oh, those costumed, uh, what are are the aliens called in this movie? What are the, I feel like it's, it's certain, I feel like it's like an orc flex or something, but like, I don't, that's not like the like a name their name anyways they're disgusting but like they're all they're all real um the ending still fucking freaks me out like when the ship first arrives oh yeah like that's fucking terrifying i remember being so fucking scared of that and like earth actually gets destroyed in the beginning of the movie yeah (laughs) which is insane like that's that what a way to start out a movie you know um vorgons Gorgons, Vogons, the Vogons, and yeah, you're just taking so many worlds, and it's just so witty and dry, and uh, it's just yeah, it's a it's a really great adaptation of the book. You know, I tried reading it when I was a kid, uh, because I had like a hard copy of it, uh, 
but it, it was too much for me and I was too young because I like I liked the movie and I wanted to read the book, but it was like it wasn't my level yet. I remember. Yeah. Uh, but maybe I should give it another read now. Um, but yeah, great movie, Chris. What do you think? We all watched this yeah. together, didn't we? I think we did for a, for a movie, movie night. night. Yeah, very yeah, early. Movie movie night. Night. I do remember. Yeah, yeah I look at it now. My only review for it was from November seventeenth in twenty eighteen. Yeah, very Holy early. Shit. That was a while ago. But, yeah, um, November seventeenth, yeah. twenty eighteen. Oh my god, god. we've god we've. We have known each other for a while. We've come a long way, <laughs> fellas. <laughs> Shit. All right. Um, but yes, so Hitchhiker's Half a Guide decade. to the Galaxy. I, I saw this movie for the first time with you guys. Um, it yeah. just, never, just never came around for me for one reason or another. But um, yeah, I remember um, it being very fun and witty. Um, it has, it's fun. It's nice to see comedy find its way into sci-fi because yeah, sci-fi does tend to take itself like seriously quite often because... Like you yep. said, like it can be a very sublime thing, so it's nice to kind of play on that a little bit. Um, yeah, there, you know, there's a lot of things I do think are very good about this movie. I think the script um, and performances are excellent, um, and the craft craftsmanship behind the film is great. Um, I do. There are certain things like I'm like that I'm personally not a big fan of in terms of um, like certain aspects of the comedy or the way to design this movie, like in. Um, but like, I mean, then again, I don't really remember a huge amount of amount from it. Like the, um, I wrote in my review that I found its comedy style to be very sketch comedy esque, reminding me a lot of SNL skits. Yeah. Um, which like, I mean, if that gels for you, that gels for you, but it didn't quite land for me at times, but I know that's also just a personal thing for me because like, mm-hmm. I don't know, I guess that brand of comedy isn't quite my, my thing, but I do admire this movie a lot, especially for how iconic it has become over the years. Um, yeah, and it is, it is a very fun and witty movie. Um, yeah, it's, it's fun. It's, yeah, it's fun. And that's all I asked for it. So, yeah. Hell yeah. Oh my God, guys. We're, we're almost running like at 40 minutes and we haven't even finished the first round. That's how much we like space movies. So this is going to be a long episode. I'm going to, I'm going to let this be a long episode because we love science fiction and space and we just love, we do nerding out about how cool space is we love doing space all right we're spacing out this episode huh (laughs) this episode's gonna be a bit spaced (laughs) (laughs) not the edgar wright sitcom just (laughs) (laughs) nobody picked that right okay no um chris that seems like that seems like a a wild card chris pick if he's like i'm gonna pick spaced (laughs) from edgar wright even though it's nothing to do with space Um, it's not a movie (laughs) yeah no, but what's your real second pick, Chris? Lay it on us. All right. This is a movie we, I believe we all saw together. Um, it's a movie that got swept under the rug right after its release. People don't talk about this movie ever anymore. The movie's title is Latin for To the Stars. Ad Astra. Double stack. Triple stack. <laughs> oh! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I well, I guess that's kind of a blessing. Yeah. yeah kind of we long. just said this is gonna be a really long episode, guys. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's our second. <laughs> okay. Um. Oh god. Okay. I'll try. I'll. I'll try and hit a couple of things, but leave you guys some stuff to talk about too. Um. So, Ad Astra is set in the. In a, <laughs> In a pretty grounded near future where an astronaut played by Brad Pitt um, embarks on a journey to find his father on board a lost spacecraft um, searching for proof of extraterrestrial intelligent life. 
Um, yeah. Um, oh gosh, where do I? I don't even know where to go from here. Um, I guess like to start like one thing. We I'll saw say this together, we get... didn't we? Yes. Yeah, I think we saw all, this all for together. the first time. Oh, IMAX yeah. or Dolby too? I think. I think it was a. I think it might have been IMAX. It's one of those two. I know we saw it in a special format. Yeah, I think um, it was IMAX. But yeah, the um, let's just start with my. I'll start by saying the craft craftsmanship that went behind this movie is, I think, is pretty fucking amazing. This movie got like no love from like anyone. This movie no, was no. like pisses me but, off, bro. Yeah, and this movie's <laughs> aesthetic is great. It it complements the story so well. Um, I when I was writing my notes for this, I. I was trying to think, like, how do I describe this movie's aesthetic slash atmosphere feeling? And I, the phrase that I'm going to coin right now, I call it desolate vibrancy. And I think Ooh, that's a great way. Yes. I think that's, and I think that's so great because uh, we'll probably get into this in conversation in a second. But, like, um, it's so, like, luscious but also surprisingly barren, too. Brad Pitt's character is kind of this stone-cold wall of emotion like of emotionless like it's, he's like an emotionless wall of masculinity which may sound really boring and hollow to begin with but given some time and some context to why and like and the context of his emotionally estranged relationship with his father you'll quickly realize he's a very three-dimensional character um i'll let you guys get into that more but i yeah i think this movie is fantastic i um, I do, you guys definitely gave it more love than I did. I think this movie is very much a do for a rewatch for me. Um, it's a, and it's, I, the last thing I'll say is like, I think it's pretty incredible, like how kind of much, much like Arrival, Ad Astra uses sci-fi and like the limitless extravagancies of space opera operas to remind us of the most fundamental parts of our humanity. And all of that framed through the perspective of a singular intimate character study. I mean, come on, how can you not be a little bit moved by that? Like, that's kind of cool, right? Yeah. Maybe. But um, I'll head into Brandon first, because Brandon, you gave this a five. So yeah. A whopper. I think <laughs> this is the most underrated sci-fi film in the past 50 years i'm willing to make that big of an assumption and because that since star wars the space movie and the sci-fi epic has sort of become like normal um and when i first saw ad astra with you guys i remember expecting i don't know what i really went in expecting to be honest i think it was like it's an original sci-fi movie so i'm excited but like i have no idea what this movie's gonna be I think I remember hearing about this movie a while back, but like it was always in development hell with a lot of different filmmakers. And when it finally came to it, it presented me with a world that I'd always wanted to see on the big screen. I wanted to see humanity reaching for the stars in a way that wasn't just in its infancy or way too far in the future. It presented like a world where humanity has gone to space but they're no not so far advanced that it's like total recall you know where it's so weird and out there and super colonized that it just feels off like it feels like it's a future we will never attain whereas this has like moon colonies and like on those moon colonies is like corporate sponsors and stuff like that and pirates that live in independence on the moon you know that makes sense and it's a way that it's not too primitive but it's not so far in the future that it feels far-fetched 
And in that sense, it's grounded in that realism. But that even then, like, they present, like, Mars. And this, this is, like, they present our solar system in a brand new light. And it's not just the two places that we talk most about, Mars and the moon. Like, they explore deep space in our solar system, asteroid belts, space travel, all that kind of stuff. But even a part of, like, the technical stuff in this movie, apart from that, you've got that personal story that, Chris, you alluded to, which is, like... How does, like, a human being cope with trauma, and how do they live up to, like, their, like, past? And they do that in with space, in space, because this guy is isolated with his thoughts and feelings. And you may, you could think, this movie's, like, impossible to shoot, because there's not a lot of dialogue, really. It's a lot of this character's internal struggle coming out through Brad Pitt's acting. By far his best performance, in my opinion. Like leaps and bounds ahead of anything i think he's ever done in his career because he's been entertaining in something like once upon a time in hollywood but i've never emotionally connected to this guy more than in this movie right here yeah um and i feel like that's because i have a strong relationship with my dad and i feel like this movie captures that well but by giving brad pitt's character space and by lighting the movie the way that the director and the cinematographer do it allows for us to like read into things about the character that are there and that we will know about once we get to that third act, which I know might lose some people because it might play ridiculously if you're like with the wrong group. Mm-hmm. But I, to me, it works so well, so well. It, it's a, it's, this movie is like, to me, like a movie that felt like it was made for me, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I was floored with Ad Astra. I remember, I I don't think I liked the trailers when they came out. I was like, okay, I, I was like, what is an Ad Astra? You know, I didn't know it was Latin for that. Um, and when I saw it in theaters, I remember just being blown away a by the cinematography. I loved the desolate vibrancy that you explained, like the way it does feel desolate and dark. But I remember there's like shots where like planets like um like uranus and stuff like that like the blues are like they're so they're so vibrant and deep you know that it just like it captures the magnitude and like the mystery of space and um i mean i could just ditto what all you guys said but i think what i found the most personal and like what i found the most interesting in this movie was was the relationship between brad pitt and tommy lee jones um it presents a very cool generational like narrative of sort of learning to come to terms with age and learning to let go and learning that some things are just out of your control, you know? Um, I think that I think that is a problem people are facing with their with their their parents in these times, you know, where it's like, Hey, uh, I used to really look up to my my dad or my mom and now they just like they now have like this ideology that i can't even recognize them recognize anymore you know and it's come to a point where you just have to accept it and move on um which i think you could definitely take that in a a political sense i think like i remember i talked about this movie with my dad and he very much saw himself in the brad pitt position with his dad as the Tommy Lee Jones, where he just like, there was a point in his life where his dad were sort of politically, he just had to be like, 
there there's nothing I can really do to like sort of change who he is. He's different now than when I remember him, you know, and it's just sort of you just have to move on, you know. And I just found that very powerful how they sort of presented that in the film. Uh, not sort of in a it's not really in a political sense. It's more in like a narrative sense in like how Tommy Lee Jones has sort of lost his mind by like sending these shock waves that are affecting the earth and Brad Pitt has to sort of like there's no way I can convince him that this isn't doing what he thinks it's doing or this this yeah you know um so he just has to like let abandon him and let him be and that's all he can do you know um beautiful film good it's got a good ape scene, good a good monkey scene. It's got a baboon. <laughs> Surprisingly, so they fight. They fight a. Ba- I yeah. remember being so Two fucking. Sur- Do you guys remember when I when I, we saw it and I, and I was just like, yeah. whoa! I just There's feel like, like it's baboon just ripping shit, kicking ass in space. I'm like, what the fuck? This is but amazing. But the movie, it's not ridiculous, you know. It's like not ridiculous. It's scary, it's and it scary. makes sense. Like they're transporting animals in space because that's like the level. They're doing of- experiments and stuff. Yeah. yeah. But it doesn't feel like it's, like, Avatar where they're so developed that it's, like... Yeah. You know, like, it's so out of reach or, like, it's too pristine to be real. It feels dirty and grungy. It felt felt a few tears in, like, scientific development to Cowboy Bebop. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's similar. Because there's, like, there's colonies in that show. And, like, you know, like, the advertisement, what it looked like on the moon is kind of like that. I think Cowboy Bebop's... Of course, Cowboy Bebop's a lot more advanced in some other aspects of, like... You space know, travel constant space travel you know they got like they got like warp gates and stuff like that but um uh-huh. i feel like it's fairly similar you know in terms of like how it, it proceeds like a society of a colony and i thought that was so cool you know with the billboards and stuff like that oh, yeah. i just great fucking world building this movie great cinematography uh hoyt van hoytma He's worked yeah. with yeah. Nolan a lot. He did, he did Interstellar, you know? He did so her. did her. I, he, he's an accomplished DP. One of the he best is. working nowadays, I feel like. Honestly, yeah, he, pro- yeah, he is. Um, I don't know yeah. why this movie didn't get more praise. Maybe it's because it's a little dry. Nobody saw it. Yeah, very few people saw it, too. <sighs> so sad. So sad. Super underrated flick. Everyone, please check out Ad Astra if you have... 123 minutes of your time. <laughs> it's a long movie. It is. Uh, I mean, that's two hours. It's a good two hours. It's two hours. That's two hours. I don't know why I said it was a long movie. I just I I saw three numbers. I'm just, I just see think that it's long because I have a chimp brain. Um. Anyways, yeah. Wow. Triple stack. Who would have thought? Not me. All right. Well, Chris, do you want it? Let's get into the final round here. <laughs> looks like we looks All like right. we've picked up the pace. We're now back on track for another average episode. Uh, <laughs> so, Chris, let's do your let's do your final pick. Yeah. So I think um, my last one. So remember earlier I was talking about like I wanted my last one to be like a fantasy kind of one, like a more fun or like you know just like a fantastical version of space. Um, so I really want to take something. I've been teetering a back and forth between so many different movies because, yeah, there's a lot of, like, you know, like, fantasy space movies. Um, I keep jumping back and forth between two, and I'm going to make a decision right now. Oh. <sighs> All right, I'll, I'm just going to pick this the, the safer one. I'm picking James Gunn's 2014 film, Guardians of the Galaxy. Interesting. All right. Oh, yeah. Um, 
Sorry, oh, my mic was Carson. muted. <laughs> you you were like you, you looked like you were taking a pause. I was like, is he about this? I said no. I said I went oh, and then I realized my mic was muted. But yes, uh, good. Okay. Um. So yeah, I picked two very sublime movies so far, which yeah. So like, I wanted to shift gears here. Um. And my what better than my favorite Marvel movie ever made? Um. Pretty good. Yeah, I fucking love this movie. I don't think this movie needs much of an introduction or a summary. Everybody knows this movie. Um, I felt like I really wanted to throw this one in there because even for all of its marvelisms and off-the-wall absurdity, I think what we get here is actually a really engaging and fantastically made character ensemble film. All of my praises for Arrival and Ad Astra, surprisingly, at least to me, carry over into Guardians pretty well. Like, yeah, a movie with a talking raccoon voiced by Bradley Cooper and a talking tree voiced by Vin Diesel elicits the same emotional impact, to me at least, as both those previous films. Um, and all of those things, in my head, I just think of them as just wildly dialed up. It's a lot more expressive um, and, like, direct with its messaging. Um, you know, and it has things like, you know, there's all the, this, like, sci-fi stuff, right? You have the Power Stone, the politics of the Crescendarian War, the looming shadow of Thanos. Um, you know, it's ripe for the picking for, like, sci-fi and comic book nerds like us. But what really brings me back to this movie, um, every time I do see it, is its immaculate world-building, the colorful cast of characters, and its emotional storytelling. Yeah. Um, yes, it has its fair share of shortcomings, like every movie does, but... Um, you know, and like, yeah, like for example, the big one being Ronan the Accuser being a pretty meh villain, because they kind of just like, all right, he's a tree purist, go, go, go have at it. <laughs> like, um, but in the grand scheme of things, none of that really matters to me because for me, like the way I see this movie is that the Guardians um, are all like misfit renegades, completely displaced from any kind of normalcy in the entire galaxy. Um, but at the same time, even though they can be cruel at times or selfish, um, they're all still people. People yeah. with feelings, values, and by the end, the ability to selflessly care for others. Um, and I think that's what makes them so captivating and like why I would put this as a great sci-fi film because it elicits the same exploration of our humanity, but just through this kind of more fun, fantastical approach to the uh, to the sci-fi genre um there and like one thing that i do want to really highlight about this movie is that what makes this movie so great i feel like is that every member of the guardians is a victim of trauma yeah. on some level um i think rocket especially is like a big one like a big icon for people who may have gone through certain things in their lives and to look for look to for like reconciliation um and yeah, and like I think the this movie does such a great job of keeping that kind of fun, upbeat tone, but not sugarcoating the fact that these are very broken humans, like well, people, and they've been through some shit. And I think that's why I'm so captivated by this movie is because these are all three dimensional characters, but they're also all funny as shit. Um, yeah. And yeah, and I just want to say, James Gunn, I fucking love you, man. You rock. I love pretty much all you do. Can't wait for more. I dig this movie. I know you guys dig this movie too. Um, I'll hand it off to Ethan first. What do you think yeah. of this movie? Um, perfect film, I would say. I, I think it's a perfect film. It's very, very sentimental to me. Um, 
it just it, it, it's one of those films that came out the right time and place in my life I feel um cause just like it's interesting the the common theme in space movies of uh space being so vast and expansive that it that's good to do a found family movie I feel and like there's no better setting for people to come together and embrace each other from different like parts of life walks of life than like than going through space um which I found was just really cool that they did that in a superhero team movie this the Guardians of the Galaxy they don't feel like a team you know they're not like the Justice League or the Avengers they're a family you know they're like a, actually a group of people who just like they saved the world together but they found each other and they're a family you know and that's just like that's just super cool to me and Chris I was I was I was ready I cracked my I was ready to go all into that tra- that trauma narrative but you you cracked it out perfectly um they're all broken people who have been put into situations against their own will uh, of course you know rocket the famous line is like I didn't I didn't wish to be like put together and taken apart like made alive you know um Gamora you know sort of forced to be adopted by Thanos against their own will and become like this deadly warrior um this heartless uh like killer you know Drax who had his family murdered and taken from him and then you know Peter Quill who was taken from his dying mother um and is now forced to live out in space as a fish out of water in some sense um he doesn't really fit in anywhere um and that sort of like gives him a false ego in a way you know claiming himself as the star lord this legendary outlaw um and then there's Groot who's just really he's basically just like the heart of the film you know I don't know he's there's no real trauma that he faces but like you need that anchor I feel like he gets his arms cut off that's trauma he's like the naive pure heart that they all need that you need you need that in the film and um I was I just remember being so floored about how how layered the guardians like universe is um and just like how james gunn is able to write these these superheroes as like people first heroes second you know uh you you, i don't know even know if you can call them heroes in a sense in this film you know they're just like there's people that just want to do the right thing who have like bad qualities about all of them you know they're not perfect but they still want to do the right thing um and I, <laughs> Spike Lee. I, <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like Spike Lee. No, um, I'm a fan of Ronan the Accuser in this movie. I think it is yep. cool that they use sort of like this, um, hokey this, religious zealot. Uh, yeah, this re- religious zealot terrorist. You know, uh, that's true. That just like, it's it's a very good antithesis to these fleshed out layered people who have to go up against this thing because there are like people like exist like that in our world that you is, know that is true yeah Joel um, no, yeah I, I i will say that it like i i do give ronin a lot of flack because like he doesn't get a huge amount of development like emotionally speaking but yeah i mean i feel like within the context of this movie like that like that's not required of this movie yeah you know? he's not, not he's like not a, a fleshed out villain he's like, not meant to be an epithet like thanos or when yeah. or the vulture you know like he, he's not supposed to be like those guys he's he has his purpose for this one thing to support these characters who are the main stars of the show you know mm-hmm. yeah um and for that for that reason he works you know and i love it and it's got a great third act you know um 
it makes this movie makes me tear up every time at the end with Ain't No Mountain High, you know, with his mom getting Awesome Mix Volume Two, and just like there's a lot of good there. Yeah, and yeah. it's just like I I I miss when Chris Pratt was just known as Star Lord. You know, I wish he I, I wish he just or yeah, 2014 Chris Pratt was like that peak. that was peak. That was peak Chris Pratt. He was yeah. he was Star Lord and now he's Mario. Now he's and Mario now he's, and Garfield. Now he's Mario. He's Garfield. He's in the Jurassic World movies. I don't give a shit. You know, <laughs> everyone everyone hates him because you know he's in everything and he's part and of. And he cheated church. on his wife. And he cheated on his wife. And he, and he left his uh, his autistic his son. son. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like, go back, go back to twenty. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's a, that's a whole go can of worms. Yeah, go back yeah. to twenty fourteen, Chris Pratt. When you yeah. were lovable and you were in Parks and Rec, and when you just came off Parks and Rec, and now you got this big Star Lord gig, you're not uh, the passengers character. Yeah, <laughs> is that gonna be on anybody's list? <laughs> Whoa, well, oh. last bit. No, <laughs> um, yeah, amazing movie, perfect, perfect film. Um, Brandon, okay, did you, do you have anything you want oh. to put in there? Yeah, no, I was gonna say okay, time for Brandon. Yeah, that's what you're gonna say, huh? <laughs> I so uh, I could have sworn I went last. I thought you already talked about it. I'm sorry. No, I didn't. But okay. Uh, no, I think this is a a great introduction to the cosmic MCU after a brief hint at something more being out there in the first uh, Avengers and the Thor films. You know, little hints and hits there. But with the Guardians movies, you get cosmic color. You get retro. 1970s and 80s stuff that doesn't feel like it's capitalizing on the 80s revival of the 2010s like it doesn't feel like a stranger things which is seems solely to be a 80s nostalgia porn sort of thing um where it's like capitalizing on the synth music and stuff like that this feels more like an honest portrayal of somebody stuck in a time while the other parts of the universe are moving in very fast pace and that's a very awesome place to be uh i think this movie has a lot of exploration i think the second one's probably a better space movie just because they go more places and i feel like that presents maybe they don't but i think it presents a lot of different like realms to the galaxy that we're not privy to whereas like you're basically introduced to xandar and nowhere. And that's I think, basically it. I would say this is a better space movie because you. this is like our very first introduction to the cosmic realm of Marvel in right. the MCU. And you're sort of taken you're sort of taken through this world through the eyes of Star Lord. Um yeah. whereas now in Guardians Two you're you're more of you're sort of more used to these worlds and these characters, you know? So yeah, but it's still fantastical and it's cool. still fantastical. Yeah, it's still but like I don't know, this is when works more as like I feel like space is more of a character in this one. Mm-hmm. I, I I definitely get a lot about this movie still. I'm not trying yeah. to downplay it in that sense. No. Yeah, of course. Um, but you, you know, there's still that per- very personal story which makes it a great movie regardless of it being space. I feel like often in space movies, like you do get a lot more distant, and I think that's what works for films like Ad Astra, Arrival, and uh, First Man, all of which are playing with that isolation and loneliness of being in space to a certain extent or being in the universe and feeling so small and insignificant but here it's kind of like a almost like a joyous it's like the opposite of that which is saying a lot considering how dark james gunn's sub themes are in his films 
Right. You know, they're not directly tackled or anything except with Rocket's uh, transformation into this, you know, talking creature. Um, but it it's it's like a celebration of the vastness of it all, and I I love that you just don't know what's out there, and that the more you that is unveiled, the more kooky and crazy it can be. Yes, it's very beautiful. It's such a beautiful film. I think yeah, these Guardians films will always have the most. That like I feel like they're the like, in some cases they're the heart of the MCU. They're the most popular things in the MCU, even though they were the most unknown, unknown thing, other which than is the so crazy. Isn't that insane? They went, they went. I remember when it was coming out. My dad's or my mom's coworker at the hospital. She she was he was like, ah, uh, what's what's coming out? And I I was talking about the Guardians movie, and he's like, that. Oh, I've seen the trailer for that. I don't think it's gonna make any money. And I said I wouldn't be surprised if it makes like seven hundred million dollars. The trailer looks fun. I mean, it's a Marvel movie, like, they're popping off right now, mm-hmm. and it made around $700 million, and I remember being, like, validated. I felt so validated by that. Also, it's, yeah. like, it's it's great that everybody is now getting to know these, like, comic book properties, you know, even if we weren't, I wasn't a huge fan of Guardians before, I knew them, mm-hmm. I just prefer the movie version to the comic version. Absolutely. Yeah, so. I I still remember when yeah when like right before guard like that era of Marvel got started like I remember there was a lot of talk because they announced a bunch of the new Mar- um, MCU properties that were coming soon and like I remember I was what like I I was with some friends and like I was telling them about like oh so there's a new movie coming out called Guardians of the Galaxy and they were like what is that and then I explained like who they are and then they were like wait so there's a talking raccoon played like played by Bradley Cooper. And I was like, oh, yeah. And then there's also this other movie coming out the following year called Ant-Man. And then, oh. uh, and, and, and then they were like, what's his thing? And I was like, he can shrink. And they were like, who's playing him? And then I said, Paul Rudd. And they were like, Paul Rudd! <laughs> I thought, but, I thought, yeah, nobody, I don't nobody, know about you, Ethan. Yeah. Yeah. Or, but I thought Moondragon was going to be in the Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, like in the original, like in the first movie? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think she'd be... Because her plotline with Drax, I feel like that would be safe for a sequel. So never I never assumed that she'd be in the first one. But... Yeah, but now I don't know if she'll ever be in it, if that's the case. If we're playing that important. So. I don't know. We'll see. All I see is a white screen. Is that the f- Spyro? Is that? From, is, that, is that the is that, Legend Is that an Spyro? NFT that you're showing us? That you're, <laughs> NF- you're recently no. purchased NFT? No, I'm just kidding. What it's is Moon that? Dragon from Dragon Vale. No! <laughs> no, no Moon we're Dragon not that Marvel. one. We're talking about the bald girl. <laughs> <laughs> the daughter of Drax. Anyways. Yes. Um, okay, Chris, you have an amazing stack. Holy shit. P- pretty good God space. damn, that's a strong Good variety, stack. too. All right, well, let me finish off my stack and... I feel like this last film also goes into themes of uh, uh, the vastness unknown of space sort of like brings found family together and um, how one can feel ostracized and lonely. Um, It's a story about uh, a person who has never really found a family to begin with. um, And finally he discovers this family and his heritage of his own that comes from the depthness of space. And he has to struggle with sort of, uh, his, 
like blood family versus his this found family that he's made. Um, it's a very touching film. Brandon, do you know what film I'm talking about? No. I'm talking about Muppets from Space, baby. God damn it. <laughs> I'm so upset. I'm talking about Muppets from Space, baby. Not That's a good right. movie. It's a, you're right. It's not a good movie. It's a masterpiece. It's a uh, five out of five. It's just it's a five right. out of. No, it's an amazing movie. Let me tell you why Muppets from Space is a, is a top-tier Muppet movie and a fairly good space movie. Um, first of all, how, what other movie can you say has paired, uh, 70s funk with the aesthetic of space? You can't. Earth, Wind, and Fire? James Brown? Come on. I'm gonna say Guardians of the Galaxy. No, Guardians of the Galaxy does 70s rock. This does, like, straight up funk, you know? You got, you got Earth, Wind, and Fire. You got James Brown. You got, what else you got in this movie? I don't know. I forgot the rest, but those... Come on, you got Brick House. The opening number of this is all the Muppets singing Brick House. Come on, the Commodores. You got this. You Come on. You got Gonzo, one of the best Muppets. Second to Kermit. You finally get to explain... You get, finally get to explore his character and his roots. And how he's such a tragic Muppet. Because um, he doesn't know what he is or where he came from. And finally this movie gets to explore and... And tell Gonzo that it doesn't matter, that you don't know what you are, where you came from, that what matters is that you're you and you have your family, the family that you made while being alive on this earth, you know, the the family they made with the Muppets. And I feel like that's a really good message, you know, I feel like there's a lot of weird films that are always about like family is everything um, that Disney is doing. It's like blood family, you know, I feel like. Like in Kanto, that's really weird because like some people like your family doesn't have to be everything. You know, you can be, you can make your own family, and I feel like that's what Muppets from Space is teaching you. Um, you know, the music's great in it. It's got two musical numbers, I think. They're not original, which is fine because they they've covered amazing songs. Uh, the gags are good in this. You know, you got you got some great cameos in this. Chris, you know who's in Muppets from Space? Rob Schneider. Rob Schneider's in Muppets from Space. Yeah! Yeah, boy! Uh, who else you got in this fucking movie? I forgot his name. Jeffrey Tambor, right? The Cancelled Man. The Cancelled yes. Man. What happened? Why, why is he cancelled? What happened to him? What do you do? Uh, I'll leave you to look that one up. I'm not gonna okay. Anyways, classic lines like, The Remote! Oh, the remote, or, hmm, doctor, hmm, doctor, doctor, hmm, doctorly things, hmm. Uh, you know, you got, you got the rat maze, got rat jail. You got rat boys in this movie, got rat boys. Little rat boys. You got a talking sandwich in this movie, that's pretty cool. I love this movie, Muppets from Space, that's my last pick. Nobody else likes this movie but me, so that's why I picked it, Muppets from Space. Never gonna talk about this movie again, so, Muppets from Space. Brandon, what do you think about Muppets from Space? I mean, it's good. It's just, like, mid-Muppets. Like, it's definitely, like, that transitionary Muppet film. You know, because it doesn't quite feel like it's, like, the revitalized classics, like The Christmas Carol and Treasure Island. And it doesn't feel like original Muppets, like the Muppet movie, Muppets Take Manhattan, Great Muppet Caper. But it does feel a lot more like the Muppets 2011 reboot and, like, the, the stuff in between uh like the tv stuff they did um and it's like it's meta it's 
definitely an original movie and there's a lot of love that goes into the movie whether that be with the gonzo character or not uh but i just don't connect with it i don't think it's as funny i think yes gonzo is one of the more interesting characters in the muppets but it's a film that i just don't vibe with as much as like the other <laughs> films of the franchise it's it's like very mid like it's perfectly fine it's just for me i don't love it or even like it all that much to be honest it's just kind of in the middle i liked it more when i was a kid i'll say that i like it just as much when i like when i was a kid chris you bored oh. <laughs> what do you think about most from space chris <laughs> I feel like it's like the eighth time I have to say this, but I've only seen the first one. <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, Time's up, Chris. Time's up. <laughs> what? <laughs> what is the cap holding you? Nice, nice visual gag you did there, Brandon. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, just like Jeffrey Tambor. Oh, did you just send me what happened to Jeffrey Tambor? All right, I'm going to read this out loud. On November 8th, 2017, Tambor was accused of... Oh, okay, never mind. I'm okay. Let's go to, let's go to your last <laughs> film, Brandon. I picked a Danny Boyle movie from 2007. It's all, another film that kind of has gotten swept under the rug the more the years have gone on. I picked Sunshine. Oh, I've never seen this one. I think it. very heavy movie. Another one where it's not super far in the future, but far enough to the point where humans have made advancements to travel to space. It's a climate change movie, actually. Uh, Kind of. Like, it's thematically a climate change movie. It's where these astronauts are traveling to space in order to try to revitalize the dying sun. And by blowing blowing up a bomb in the sun. And by doing that, they will prevent uh, the Earth from freezing over and for the galaxy from kind of becoming redundant and extinct of human life and of life in general. Uh, Very fascinating movie kind of a horror thriller psychological it's dealing a lot with like the human need for like exploration but it also deals with religious jealousy it deals with like the existential nihilism we all face in like a situation like a mass extinction event or with something like climate change and how some people view it like well it's over for us and like there's nothing we can do about it whereas there for other people it's like their mission to make sure that all things go as planned and of course nothing goes as planned in this movie very good action in this movie it's kind of all over the map in terms of genre and it's very hard to kind of pinpoint what it is but it's i think it's a very well done film i I don't love it but i really do like it and it and it also showcases a bunch of stars before they got famous uh you got killian murphy you got rose byrne you got chris evans and then you've got like more well-established actors like Mark Strong, Benedict Wong, Michelle Yeoh. Mm-hmm. Lots of great, great actors in the movie. And like uh, Danny Boyle's direction is top-notch. It feels very much in line with something like his 28 Weeks, 28 Days Later film series. Where he's kind of tackling this, this dread we're feeling uh, in a science fiction film. And I, I really enjoy it. Great soundtrack. I, I just can't recommend it enough. I, I think... As time has gone on, I feel like it's become more necessary of a watch. Yeah. Um, that sounds really fucking interesting. All I know about Sunshine is, like, I feel like its score is pretty iconic. Like, its theme. It's used mm-hmm. a lot in, like, uh, other films. Trailers. And trailers and stuff. Mm-hmm. 
And that's, like, the only really connection I have to sunshine. And, like, I just always see stills of, like, guys staring at the sun. Like, really close to the sun. I'm like, damn, hey, put some sunglasses on, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Come on, that's not good for your eyes. I know you're, like, I know you're only, like, a thousand miles away from the sun, but still, come on. That's still that's still pretty close. You burn up <laughs> crisp. Yo, chill. <laughs> Yo, there's some pretty cool burn into a crisp moments in this film. Not good. Yeah? Yeah. Well, I gotta check it out. Chris, have you heard of Sunshine? Have you seen it? No, I haven't seen Sunshine. I've seen a, a couple of Danny Boyle films, and I'm only really just now realizing this guy's got such a diverse filmography. That is for sure. Like, so many Slum different dog. genres and shit. Like, yeah, <laughs> Slumdog, Yesterday, 28 Days Later, Train Spotting, Steve Jobs, 127 Hours, and Sunshine. Um, <laughs> Very yeah, out there. I mean, like, <laughs> I, I don't really know what to make of this movie. Like, I own it. For some, for some reason, this this reminds me a little bit of um, Armageddon. Yeah, it's better Willis than movie. Armageddon. <laughs> and I haven't <laughs> seen Armageddon. I've just, I've just know the genre. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, yeah, that's cool. It does. Yeah, I think you guys would like it. I, I do you think have it on just... DVD, Brandon? I do. I do. I want to see it. I want to watch it. I want to put it in my Give little eyeballs. Put in my put that sun in my put that sunshine in my eyes. It won't hurt my eyes. Come on. <sighs> All right. It hurt your well, arms. Little Bart Ethan. Okay. <laughs> little, I'm, I'm a little tanner. I'm, I'm like you're not tanned. You're burnt, you little boy. I'm not burnt. I don't have a sunburn. Yeah, you do. No, I don't. Yes, you do. I feel fine. No, I don't. Okay, well, you're wrong. <laughs> what? Okay. If for those of you who don't know, Brandon has to give me daily. Uh, skin checks he, he looks all around my skin and my body he sees sees if I have any little defects little skin you know he's very nervous about my skin cancer so i always want i to saw know. the one on the back okay <laughs> <laughs> all right there's all of our films let's run down these before picking out our final stack so chris you want to start us out with your space movie stack yes my films were arrival ad astra and guardians of the galaxy and mine were First Man, Ad Astra, and Muppets from Space. And mine were Sunshine, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and Ad Astra. Fucking you asshole! <laughs> no! <laughs> God damn you. Alright, so Ad Astra, automatically on the stack. Deserves um, it. Vito. I don't want it on here anymore. What? I don't want it. <laughs> no, fuck this movie. I hate it now. Um, Let's see. Fuck, man, this is... Honestly, can we... Let's just go with Chris's stack. <laughs> no. His I'm good. down. Guardians, <laughs> though? I don't know if Guardians for space movies. Really? As in, yeah, because there's a lot more things you could use it for, I think. That is true. That's a very uh, diverse one. Yeah. And also, I just don't want to keep recommending uh, a Marvel films. Not because... Because they are so multi. Wow, a Marvel hater. Uh, okay. No, I just don't. I think they're so Marvel. Oh, you think you're so no, I, than us. Listen, listen, listen. I think it's a little multifaceted, you know. I and I think, I think my fun pick, which was Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, works too in that spot. And I'm not trying to just shovel two into my the list. Oh, I I'm just saying. Sure. You just sure. think about yourself, don't you? 
No, I'm just um, saying I think it's a better pick in terms of like introducing our viewers to a new movie or something. I want to lobby for First Man. I would, but Ad Astra feels a lot similar to First Man in terms of its character, its lead. Oh, fuck, you're right. Yeah. And I want to showcase the diversity in space. Chris, what was your other one that you had? Arrival. 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 I think Arrival should be on this. I that's agree. a good that, that's, that's a good, a good uh, come to earth grounded movie because space coming it, to yeah. earth yeah yeah I'd be fine with Hitchhikers think... if we want to do a fun one more fantastic yeah, one yeah I feel so I, I because can, it, I get, it balances I the tone mm-hmm. okay let's do that alrighty what um, order order here I think we should do um I think we should do arrival first I think yeah. ending kind of leaves you wanting. More, not I think we should bad. I think Hitchhikers it's great, but... second, because I feel like Arrival and Ad Astra are like sort of similarly toned, so I think we you can bookend it. it with a better ending. Yeah, and I think having Hitchhikers Guide to Galaxy is a good middle, you know, little break between these two more dramatic films. Although the ending of Hitchhikers is also really good. It well, is. for me, it's good. I don't know if a lot of people will like it as much as I do. Hmm. Chris, what do you think? In terms of, like, an order? Yeah. yeah. Um, You've seen all the movies, so... I yeah. Uh, I mean, we've all seen has the, the Yeah, I was thinking, which one has the best end- ending? Not Arrival, because Arrival... Uh, it opens the door. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Literally and figuratively. Literally, I think yeah. I think Arrival is a good first film because it opens the door like it having a first film us, have an open human, ending. Yeah. You know, it's good mm. to and it opens the, the door stack. to space and aliens. What if what if, what if how about this? Yeah. We do Arrival to like because we're on Earth and then we at the end we kind of like get introduced more into it. At Astra, we see a guy go into space, and then Hitchhikers, you are literally just flying around space, and it's like you're. Gar- gonzoing everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Gonzoing? Yeah. We so, yeah. you're saying what we should have Muppets <laughs> Space. No. no. I'm just kidding. Because, uh, like, it's progressively getting more out there. That's my perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I'm okay with and that. And then once you, once you get to the end, it's like, oh, it's so balls to the wall. It's, like, so fantastical. Yeah. I think that's good. Okay. I'm cool with that. Cool. Um, all right, well, let's run down Stack's official 2022 space movies, the most quintessential space movies. You want to learn about all those dang old, those dang old sparkling things up in the sky? What's it? It could be just be a curtain with holes poked through it. Who knows? <laughs> what is it? These movies will tell you all about it, saying space. <laughs> I feel like that's the next, like, conspiracy theory. <laughs> it's not, it's like Flat Earther, but, like, poke <laughs> holes in sky, little, like, clouds. And no, there's just, clouds aren't real. Yeah. Stars. <laughs> uh, starting with Chris, you want to kick off our stack? With our first pick? Yes, our first film is Denis Villeneuve's 2014 film Arrival. Um, a very contemplative character drama um, that forces the audience to... Uh, reconsider our place in the universe, the world that we have created, and the value and the connections that we make in our oh-so-small and minuscule lifetime as people on this planet. Next up? Next up is Ad Astra, a very um, 
let's see what what did you do? desolate desolate vibrancy a, yeah desolate desolately vibrant a desolately <laughs> vibrant film sublime film about the depths of space and the emotional impact it has on us coming traveling through space you get a very personal story juxtaposed with the vastness and sublimeness of the inner space not inner space not the movie not the outer movie. space <laughs> not inner space of outer space and you got a good baboon in it too at astra and our last film oh there it the is the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy a wacky and zany exploration of deep space and the rules and governance of it through a handbook like the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy Fun movie, introduced us to a lot of great actors, a lot of great dry humor, and I'd argue you can't have Guardians of the Galaxy with a film like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yes, because the, yeah. the, the galaxy part of it. Oh, okay. It both says, they both end with the galaxy, but kind of cool. And it also has, like, Guide to the Galaxy, Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, he he left. <gasps> He's back. Hi, Brandon. Hi, Brandon. <laughs> Hi. Absolutely despicable. Oh. Space, space, space. Space, 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 space. Hope, 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 hope. Space, space. Despair, 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 despair. Space, space, space. You're so alone. Hello. 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 Get out of here.